Now, this is a story about a woman we know. And actually, we don't know her very well, do we? We, we never know her name. The only way she is known is based on the place where she was born at, right? We call her the Samaritan woman, don't we? The Samaritan woman, right? And that's the only way we know her. I think we have to make a song now, right? Now, even though we may not know her completely, there's some things we can sort of guess about her. And one of those things is that life, we imagine, hasn't always been that easy for her. She might agree with the fact that it's hard to dance with the devil on your back. She's tried to dance, and she's tried to keep dancing, but somehow things just have not gone her way at all. Even thousands of years later, as people have continually heard her story over and over, they think they got her figured out. Oh, that's that woman who had five wives, they say. Husbands, excuse me. That's a whole nother sermon. Amen. Thank you. She's a woman who had five husbands. She is an adulterous woman, some people would conclude, right? Many people have. Now, of course, it's easy to make that assumption about it if you're just sort of reading through the story, isn't it? Actually, though, it's actually kind of hard to make that assumption if you actually try to read the story. Yes, she has had multiple husbands, but why? Jesus doesn't accuse her of anything more than having multiple husbands. And she doesn't confess to anything more than having multiple husbands. Now, maybe she was an adulterous woman, but if you remember, and if you know anything about this time, put your mind back in this time, right? An adulterous woman, you remember Jesus being there? Remember when he's all playing in the sand and everything? They bring an adulterous woman to him, and they're ready to do what to her? To death. Well, maybe she was an adulterous woman, but that would mean she was able to escape death five times, which seems very unlikely. Maybe she had just been passed around from husband to husband to husband to husband to husband. You remember one time when these... Religious authorities wanted to test Jesus, and they said there was a woman who was married, and her husband died, and she had to marry his brother. Then he died, and she had to marry his brother, and she went on and on. And whose husband is she in heaven? You remember that, right? Maybe she's just been passed on and passed on and passed on. Whatever we say about that, whatever we we can conclude about that, the very least thing that we can say is that she is probably an outsider. And this outsider is is coming to the well. And as she's there, there's Jesus. Now, Jesus has been traveling, right? And he's tired and he's thirsty and he's even hungry. And to be sure we're on the same page, Jesus was a man. The Samaritan woman wasn't. Now I got that song in my head. (laughs) Jesus was a man. The Samaritan woman was not. Now, I say that because... If Jesus is there sitting by the well, nobody thinks anything about that, right? Obviously, he's tired, 
give the guy a break. He needs to catch himself, maybe try to get a little bit of water. It's noon. It's hot. But the woman, well, she probably has to go get her water at noon because, well, that's the way she can keep to learn her place. That's the way she can kind of be separated from the decent women. Y'all with me? Probably doesn't want to be there at 12 o'clock. It's hot. But there she is. There Jesus is. They meet, and as I read some of these stories, I don't know if you do, but I, I like to try to figure out some of the details of just human interaction. They're not necessarily in the story, but it sort of helped me sort of get into it. And I, if Jesus is there and she's coming with a, with a bucket or something, I imagine they had to have seen each other first. And, and, and you, know, you know about the 10-foot rule, right? I imagine there's this awkward time where they, they get each other's eyes. The 10-foot rule says that you and I can be walking together, right? But as soon as we get 10 foot from everybody, what are we supposed to do? Pretend like we didn't see them, right? You know, and the whole time we've been scoping them out, and we know what they're wearing, they're coming our way, and as soon as we get there, every once in a while, though, somebody breaks the 10-foot rule, don't they? And it always catches you off guard. You're coming along, and they make eye contact with you. And what do you do? It just messes up your whole world. And so I kind of think that as Jesus is sitting there, the woman comes. They make that sort of weird eye contact. He knows who she is. He knows what she is. And she's fixing to get the surprise of her life, isn't she? But there they are. John is tired. John the writer, excuse me, is telling us that as they meet, they know something about their relationship, right? If you read along or if you go back and read this account, John puts it in a little parentheses, right, about Jews and Samaritans not being alike and not being common or however he says that. And really what that means is, you know, that whole north and south business, oh, it's real. We don't get along. For a lot of reasons, in case you haven't read your Old Testament, in case you don't remember the long history, Jews and Samaritans, especially not a well-respected rabbi like Jesus, has no business speaking to a woman. But Jesus is thirsty. And woman or not, he needs a drink, doesn't he? Now, as you read this, you realize there are no pleasantries here. Jesus doesn't even say, please. Apparently, he thinks he's the gift of God to all human beings. That's supposed to be funny. He kind of is. Hello? Sorry. He even says he is. And you know, these Hollywood's type, this Hollywood type, they can't even get their own water. He's been sitting there this whole time. Why don't he get water himself? But when the woman comes, he asks her for a drink. And just like last week with Nicodemus, as they start talking with one another, as soon as Jesus brings up these spiritual issues that he has in his mind, she gets confused, right? She's not sure. Well, what do you mean, living water? You don't even have a cup. If you got living water, why don't you give it to me? Why don't you give me some of it? Then I wouldn't have to be coming in this hot sun. You, Mr. Rabbi man, you're all nice and comfortable, but I still got to walk home with this bucket on my head full of water. Who's going to be tired then, Mr. Jewish man? She doesn't understand. 
But then she figures something out, doesn't she? She figures out this is not just any Jewish man. At the very least, this is a prophet. And this is where it turns very interesting for me, at least today, and something I want us to think about. She recognizes him as a prophet. And what's the very first thing she does? She asks him a question. And this isn't just any old question. Oh, what's the weather like in Jerusalem? Oh, how is your journey? This is a very profound theological question. This is a question that has great impact on the world that she lives in and the world that Jesus lives in. Now, why is this interesting? Because, well, let's put ourselves back into this world, right? This this biblical world. This is a woman. And not only is she a woman, she's a Samaritan. And not only is she a Samaritan, but she's a woman. They're not supposed to be able to think that way. Women aren't supposed to have these kinds of questions. And certainly they're not supposed to voice them if they do. And certainly if they try to voice them, they better not voice them to a rabbi or to a man. Y'all with me? It's very interesting, very profound, I think, that she has this very great question. She didn't go to the right kind of schools. She didn't have all the credentials before or after her name. She wasn't considered the life of the party. She didn't have the well-paying job with stock options. She wasn't the one where people said, oh, guess who I ran into at the mall today? In fact, people probably tried to stay away from her. And yet, it's a very good question to ask. And it seems to me that there is something that we can take from that about being able to ask questions and being able to be someone who can ask questions, tough questions too, questions about faith, about life, about God, about the church, about ourselves, that we need to be a people who are willing to ask questions and willing to hear questions as well. Because no matter who we are, We could have the lowest paying job in the world or we could be a top corporate executive. We all have these kinds of questions. We could be a well-respected Pharisee named Nicodemus or some woman from Samaria. But we all have these important questions to ask. One time I was a part of a very small intrafaith dialogue group. And most of us, half the group, were from the Christian church, and the other half, most of them, were Hindus. In this Hindu group, there were a handful of people who grew up in the Christian church. Some of them were Episcopalian, some were Lutheran, some were even United Methodist. And as we first got together, part of what we had to do was just kind of talk about our spiritual journey, how we got to where we were then. What made us where we were? What what about our faith journey brought us to where we were at that time? And the people who were in the Hindu group who used to be in the church, who grew up in the church, they all shared their journey, and they all had something very similar that I picked up on. I was very thankful I picked up on. As they were growing up, as they were trying to learn these things, they all had these questions, but nobody 
was willing to hear them out. Anytime they would ask a question, a tough question, someone would say something like, well, you just need to have a little more faith. Or maybe they would accuse them of being a heretic or wonder what happened to their faith. I thought we raised you right. And they couldn't sort of live under this not knowing and not being able to grow and not being able to find answers to these questions. So the only thing they thought they could do was to leave the church. It seems to me that there is something very important about us being willing to ask and to listen for the questions we have. That's one important part, and I want to bring us home by looking at this woman from Samaria. But first, before we do that, I want to realize that Jesus has done something very great for us in this story which Jesus has done in other stories. But today, Jesus has broken several barriers down. He was not supposed to be talking to that woman. He was not to allow that woman to be talking with him. That's why his disciples were so like, he's talking to a woman. And not only just a woman, he's talking to a Samaritan. You read the part about maybe somebody brought him food. Had somebody brought him food, that would have been a big deal too, because guess what? It would have been Samaritan food. Jesus just breaks that down for us. And so when we think about that, Jesus is showing us that we can talk to anybody. That these boundaries that we have, that's not a part of God's world. That things like labels like Samaritan only matter to us. And any other label we can stick on somebody. They matter to us, not to God. All people are included in the conversation of faith. Everyone is worth the time. And so in that way, be like Jesus. We also see something in the woman of the story that teaches us something, too. First, she was willing to ask the question, wasn't she? Very bold about it, right? And so maybe for us, we can learn it's okay to ask questions. It's okay sometimes to not be sure about things. That's why God gave us one of these things in between our ears. And we can use it. We can learn what it means to be more faithful. But then also, we can look at what she did when she had her question answered. You know what she did. Once she found her answer in this Jewish rabbi, this Jewish prophet, as she thought, Jewish, perhaps, Messiah. What did she do? She dropped her bucket, and she went and told everybody. Now, you think about that. Everybody included everybody who's already gave her one of them looks. Everybody who's already dogged her once or twice or three times. Maybe even an ex-husband. She went and told everybody her answer. And it's the same Jewish rabbi that she found the answer to that we come today to praise and to pray in his name. And so maybe we can realize the same way she dropped her bucket, the same way she got up out of her pew, we can do the same thing. She knew that Jesus somehow was the answer to what her people were looking for, the questions that they had and the needs they had in their life. She knew, and it didn't matter who it was who heard, she went and told 
See, friends, in Jesus we say that we find the answer to forgiveness, that we find the answer to salvation, we find the answer to joy and to hope. And if we have come here because, because we have found that answer, it doesn't do us any good. It doesn't do a broken world any good to sit here with our water buckets full of water if we're not willing to take it out and tell somebody else. Because the world is broken, is it not? It needs the answer that we have found in Jesus. But they are not going to hear, the broken world is not going to hear if all we do is build walls around the church so we can protect what's inside of the church. Nobody is going to come from the outside to break down the walls to find an answer. It's going to be the people on the inside who have to be breaking down some walls so the answer could be made known. Are you all with me? And when we do that, friends, when we do that, realize where I'm coming from. Some people get, they think I'm so obnoxious, obnoxious sometimes. Well, you just want to tell people so they can go to your church and you can have more money and you can build more buildings and you can do more things like that. Look what happened when the Samaritan woman went out and did what she did. John gives us this great detail, doesn't he? He says that many people believed in Jesus. Many people believed. Understand, I'm not saying we need to go give an answer so we can have people sitting next to us in the pew. They want to, great. If it's in another pew across the street or down the street, that's fine too. But there's an answer that God has given us that needs to be told and has nothing to do with church growth or filling pews or paying bills. Please let us not be that obnoxious. She took her answer, and many believed. Now, for a lot of people, many would be okay. In a business, if they can get many clients, they'd be fine with that. An organization, if they get many people to volunteer, they'd be okay with that. The schools, if they can get many of their parents involved, they'd be okay with that. But guess what? We aren't one of those. We aren't a business. We aren't an organization. We aren't a school. We are the body of Christ. And so we can expect God does something else. When we get to be about our business, many things can happen. Many people can come to believe. But what happens sometimes, and you tell me if this is wrong or not, Sometimes we get by on our own, though, because, you know, I'm pretty smart, I'm pretty organized, I can get people to work, and we, we, we think about our own resources, we think about our own talents, and we make the most of that, and praise God, many things can happen. But John gives us another great detail in the story. The woman went and gave her answer, and many people believed. Then they came to hear Jesus themselves, and John said, as Jesus stayed with them, many more people believed. And it seems like if we can stop depending on ourselves so much, and if we can let God do some real God stuff, many more things. Many more people 
can come to believe and come to know that answer of forgiveness, of hope, reconciliation, and the love of God. Y'all with me? It takes a trust in God more than a trust in ourselves. And today we see that Jesus always teaches us, and he has taught us how to break down those walls of labels, labels that we put on people. But we've also learned that when we share our answer, when we share what God has done for us, many people can come to know that answer too. And when we rely fully on God, many more great things can happen. And who taught us that today? Some woman at the well. A Samaritan woman at the well. And brothers and sisters, thank God for her. In Jesus' name.